0: fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker
1: hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the behind the line podcast where we discuss all things related to the super retriever series Hey everyone, I'm your host, David Hamilton, and in all our previous episodes, we've discussed retriever trials. But if you follow the SRS, you know there's a whole nother competition dock jumping. And our guest today is one of our Super Dock competitors, Rachel Brinkman. Now, before we get started, we want to take a quick moment to say thank you to our sponsor, Yukonuba. The Super Retriever Series Crown Championship and Super Dock, and this Behind the Line podcast series are all brought to you by Yukonuba the leader in premium nutrition and for sporting and working dogs. As I mentioned a moment ago, our guest today is Rachel Brinkman, a competitor who not only competes in dock jumping, but a variety of dog sports. She's an SRS world record holder, a professional dog trainer, and a mother. And we hope to discuss all that with her here today on the podcast. Rachel, thanks for being here with us.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: I say this to all our guests, but I'll say it to you uh, with even more inflection uh, for someone that wears as many different hats as you wear. Uh, we really are appreciative of you giving us your time to chat today, and we're looking forward to it. Absolutely. So let's get started. Uh, how and when did you first get involved with training dogs? At what age, and, and how did it kind of come about that you were like, you know what, I'm going to go train some dogs?
2: Well, um, it actually kind of started before me. My parents were both into dogs. Um, they got into dogs before uh, before me. Uh, so my mom always joked that I was born in an obedience ring. So I was a dog, sh- a dog show kid. So it's kind of always been in my family. Um, my parents, my mom got into the sport of flyball when I was a, a toddler. And um, so I have been in dog sports my entire life. Um, I started competing with my own dog. Uh, I think I had my first dog when I was maybe in kindergarten and uh, started competing in flyball then. So it wasn't really a, a win. It's kind of I was born into it. Um, there was a period of my life where I said I wasn't going to be my mother. And I went on to <laughs> to college for something other than, you know, dog training and, you know, dog training sucked me back in. And so I just finally accepted that this is my calling.
1: <laughs> when you were a kid uh, doing those first fly ball competitions, I imagine that, that your parents, because they, they had done some training, helped you train those dogs. What's your earliest memory of, of training your own dog to get ready for a competition?
2: Um, So my first dog that was mine um, was an Australian kelpie named Fire. And um, I remember her when I was probably five or six years old working on downstays and recalls for a tug doing the they call them now Lars. (laughs) But the long recalls, um, you know, it was kind of a a fun trick that I remember showing off at, you know, family gatherings and whatever, put my dog in a long downstay and go across the field and then call her and do a recall. So. Literally, from as long as I can remember, I've been out, you know, shaping behaviors, um, <laughs> working on channeling drive, and and you know, the utmost important recall.
1: <laughs> now, you said your mom competed in flyball, and and you do as well. I think for our listeners who may not be familiar, it's a it's a competition where dogs basically navigate an obstacle course full of like hurdles and that kind of stuff to get to a box at the end, and it releases a ball. The dog has to retrieve the ball and then come back as quickly as possible. So how do you train a a dog for a competition like that?
2: So uh, fly ball has changed a lot over the years. It went from just a, a, a very small, uh, you know, red team, blue team kind of um, uh, situation when, at, you know, in the early 80s, when it was first coming around to now there's, you know, thousands and thousands of dogs all over the world that compete in the sport in multiple organizations. Um, the. Flyball itself is a fast-paced relay race between two teams of four dogs, where they go over hurdles and retrieve a ball, like you said. Um, things have changed a lot: um, the equipment, uh, the dogs, the speed, everything. So um, there, there didn't used to be a whole lot that go went into the training of it. It was more or less, you know, jump the jump and grab the ball and bring it back. And now we've got dogs that are doing it in you know three and a half seconds, where it used to be uh, you know, a single dog was down and back in six or seven seconds.
1: So how do you over the years as the technology and the the event has gotten harder, how has your has your training changed?
2: Well, rather than being it, what it used to be was more results based, where okay, here's the course, let's show them the course and do it. Whereas now it's more foundation based, which I think is what a lot of uh not only dog training in general, but definitely sport training has gone to is picking apart the entire process into small pieces and working on building up a stronger foundation for each individual piece before you put them all together. And we do that in all of the dog sports that we play which it didn't used to be like that.
1: Yeah. So what's your advice? Like I know a lot of times when we talk to some of the the retriever uh, trainers, obviously, you know, a professional is going to have way more experience and and, and much better results than someone who's just starting out. But one of the questions we often ask some of the professional trainers in that game is, you know, if somebody's just starting out, what's the first thing they can do? So similar to you, if you're having a a dog compete in dog sports, similar like fly ball or something like that, let's start with that one, for example, because again, you compete in multiple sports, but for fly ball, if I, if I had a dog and I wanted to try to compete in that event, what's the first thing I need to try to work on in training to prepare my dog for that event?
2: Well, the very, the very foundation for whichever sport it is that you're playing is the very first thing that you'd start with, which, you know, in a sport like fly ball, the very first thing that you need the dog to have interest in doing is playing with a ball. Um, just the same as the very first thing that you do. in if you wanted to get into dock diving is, you know, take your dog to the lake and introduce him to the water. Um, Ultimately, regardless of the sport i mean the the biggest thing that I ever tell people is is you know train the dog in front of you, do the things that the dog that you have enjoys doing um and and if you want to get more competitive in the sport, then you know you can you can always grow even if you don't have a dog that's gonna come out and set a world record, no matter what you can bring more out of your dog by learning more, you know,
1: yeah, absolutely that makes sense um a uh, similar type of, of sport, different uh, because there's not actually like a like a ball involved, like fly ball, but uh, still involves uh, training a dog to do something quickly. And that's whippet racing. I, I know you've had some experience in that as well. Tell us when you first got involved in that and and uh, how you trained for that event as well.
2: Um, actually, the very first dog that I ever took to or that, that started whippet racing with really was uh slingshot. Um, and we started when he was younger, just, you know, introducing him to, it's the same thing. You break it down into pieces. You first by teaching that, teach them what the lure is, and then you start to train them to the box. And then eventually you put dogs with them. And, um, there's not quite as much training that goes into whippet racing as there is some of the other sports because whippet racing is much more based on the dog's natural instincts. Um, and there's just more or less, it's teaching them the parts, uh, so that they don't get injured. Um, so that they don't, you know, check, you know, body check another dog or something like that. Um, but it's it's a lot of the same concepts as far as breaking down the sport into different pieces and showing the dog one at a time before putting them all together.
1: So a few minutes ago, you told us that you your mom and dad were in the training game. You thought you were going to go do something else. You went to college and majored in something else, and then and then you know it called you back. So. What were your plans originally? What were you thinking about doing after college and and how did you decide ultimately that you weren't going to go that route and instead you were going to go this route and, and be a dog trainer?
2: Right after right after high school I went into veterinary medicine and I worked in emergency vet medicine for about 10 years and my mom also uh, works in emergency vet medicine and um and then dog training was more of a hobby for her. Um and You know, I got to a point where I needed to do something different. I'm not going to be my mom, you know, (laughs) and uh, we're just too much, too much alike, (laughs) the two of us. So I decided to go to school for like uh, broadcast communications. I wanted to do something in um, advertising or promoting or something. So I I went to to school for broadcast arts and uh, uh, it was a total flop, (laughs) I got out of school and I you know I moved out to Las Vegas thinking that I was going to get into the entertainment capital of the country and I was going to not do anything except play with my dogs. <laughs> I went out there and and found some uh some other people that you know I didn't want to just go out there and meet people cuz you know I went out there by myself and it wasn't safe and so I met some dog people and we started training and then before you knew it I worked out of that hospital and then I started training professionally. I that's when I left the vet field and went into to training uh, behavior modification dogs full time um It was actually probably about ten years ago now uh that I made the switch from vet medicine to um to behavior modification
1: Does your knowledge from a veterinary uh medicine standpoint help you in behavior modification, and if so how
2: oh absolutely absolutely um honestly, I think that a lot of my background and all the different things that I do, not just, you know, um, the veterinary side of things, but also in um, sport training, a lot of what I do, it, it all connects. Um, and, and so that's why, even though, like when my staff, when I hire staff on and I teach them how to work with aggressive dogs or fearful dogs, um, I I do a lot of having them, you know, learn about other methods as well um, of motivating the dog, of channeling behaviors, of shaping behaviors. Everything, even if it's not something that we're directly using with each case that we deal with, uh, it's all connected. Just to understanding how to better communicate with each dog because you know they are all different. So, um, and the the vet medicine side of things not only helped me for if I think that this dog's behavior could potentially be related to something going on with its physical health. Um, But it also helped me a lot with learning how to manage dogs without being responsible for their uh, not being able to work on training them. When dogs would come in through emergency that were very scared or injured or sick, and we have to handle them without being able to first establish a relationship and train them um, to not bite, to not be afraid, to, you know, whatever the situation is. So it really helped a lot with that kind of hands-on experience as well. going into these, you know, severe behavior modification cases that we deal with where the dogs come in guns blazing, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That that's that's actually fascinating because I know that, that for sure that had to be a challenge in the in the previous role, having to to do the like you said, the the medical performance on them without being able to to work with them from a psychological standpoint. But in your in your current role that allows you to, to you know modify that behavior. Um, yes. You mentioned uh, a few moments ago you moved to Vegas after college, the bright lights of Vegas, and I understand that's where you first got into dock jumping, almost kind of out of necessity. Uh, can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, that is actually where I got into dock diving because living in the desert in the summer, there's not a whole lot of avenues to be able to safely condition your dogs. And since I moved out there and got involved with some uh, local people that were playing flyball, um, I needed to... A a method to be able to keep my dogs in shape without uh, running them on on rocks, you know, desert scape, especially when it's 110 degrees and the ground burns your feet. Um, So that's when we started swimming. There was a local dock diving pool. We started swimming, and you know, we just started doing a couple of competitions, just kind of on the side as a little fun extra thing. But you know, of course, we had no intent of getting. Competitive in the sport, but <laughs> my things have changed.
1: <laughs> the competitive juices took over for sure um, yeah. from a dock diving standpoint when you first started competing in that sport, was it easier than you thought, harder, r- roughly the same? It sounds like with all the sports you compete in you've you've told us a couple times already that you do everything you know uh foundationally one step at a time, have the dog do this, then this, then this, so I'm imagining you you applied those same principles, you know first getting the dog to run down the dock, then getting the dog to jump, and then depending on on which sport you're competing in uh, on the dock to get them to jump up or out for either height or for distance. But w- was it uh, more of a challenge than you thought, uh, less of a challenge or, or roughly what you thought when you first got into it?
2: So when I here, and here's the major difference between dock diving and pretty much any other sport that's out there. Um, dock diving is about the only sport that any Joe public can walk into an event and say, I want to play this game. And they can take their dog up there. They can jump their dog. They can win competition. They can earn prizes. They can earn titles even. Uh, There's no other sport that you can walk into and play with no experience and no idea what you're doing. So in, in one form, it's a much more amateur sport. But the more that you get into the sport and start learning about all the different techniques and all the different games and all the different possibilities, then obviously you start to see that, Oh, no, there's a much bigger picture. Sure, you can go in and play the game. But if you want to go in and be competitive, there's so much more that goes into the training um, than you would see just by looking at it. Anybody can look at the sport of agility and be like, wow, that must take a lot of training. It sure does. <laughs> um, but you also can't walk into an agility trial and say, I oh, want to try this out and, and win the game, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um how did you I mean it sounds like once you got into to dock diving you, you like you said you didn't originally plan to do it competitively it was just a way to help with your training but got that competitive itch in that sport like you have in others and started competing I know there's various different organizations out there but how did you first hear about, you know, SRS SuperDoc?
2: Um the the very first time that I heard of SRS I actually had gotten um an invite um to compete at a crown championship, or maybe it was a qualifier, um, for Schizo, um, my veteran dog, um, and that was the very first time that I had heard of it, and so I had asked around to a couple of different dog people and learned a little bit more about it, and I wasn't able to go that year, but um, we did go. Obviously, we went at a later date, um, and we loved it, but yeah, that, that was... I just competed in different parts of the country from where you guys are normally. And so, you know, we mostly did what was local to us.
1: Speaking of Schizo, Schizo is actually a world record holder in SRS. Tell us about that experience when you came out at that event and set the world record.
2: So that was Slingshot. Um, oh,
1: schizo is Schizo, I meant Slingshot. Sorry about that.
2: That's okay. That's okay. Uh, schizo is my older dog. He um, He's going to be 11 this year. He um, he's who I really got started competitively jumping with. Um, he Schizo is a a Dutch shepherd, Staffordshire Bull Terrier mix. And, um, he was a really competitive jumper, you know, all the way up until next last year, even, um, still jumping at 10 years old in the high twenties, you know, 27, 28. Um, we never broke that 30 foot barrier, but he had lots and lots of 29 jumps in, in his, in his career. Um, his really strong, uh discipline though is is the speed division so the you know um the speed swimming down and back um and so when we came out to the srs crown in 2018 I did swim schizo in um the raider run and uh he took second in that um at you know nine <laughs> um but sl- slingshot is is my uh my distance jumping uh, record holder
1: and what's an ideal age uh, for like dock diving? Because I know with like retrievers, there's there's obviously some dogs that peak earlier and some that you know have a longer career. But but roughly speaking, uh, maybe our listeners who are more familiar with that side of the SRS and not so much with the dock diving, what's the what's the the prime age for a dog who's been competing in this sport uh, when they're probably going to perform at their best?
2: Honestly, that's that's a that's a really hard um, just overall um, statement to make. The reason being, you know, because so many dogs um, mature differently, um, so many dogs mentally mature differently and physically mature differently. So they're going to have stronger areas at one point in their life over the other. Um, In my experience overall, uh, I feel like dogs tend to mature in their performance quite a bit later in dock diving than they do in other sports, um, dogs that start off training and competing from a young age, you usually don't see start to hit more of their peak performance until they're you know four four years old or so um, schizo we only kind of dabbled in dock diving you know a couple times a year when he was younger, so his peak wasn't until we became much more competitive. Um, he started setting some of his best scores when he was seven and eight years old so Most certainly the longevity in the sport of dock diving um, does not compare to a lot of the other high impact sports because it's so much easier on their body. Generally, you know, distance jumping or speed swimming is so much easier and lower impact on their body. So I feel like dogs can compete well into double digits with age uh, and they can even do well up into those higher numbers because It doesn't take a lot out of them to be able to, you know, jump and swim near, not, not near as much as some of the other, um, explosive sports that are out there. So, uh, I also don't see a whole lot of, of peaking in performance out of young dogs either, which in some of the other sports, whippet racing, fly ball, a lot of the times we see dogs peak at their sport potential, you know, before five, not after. Um, usually two, three years old. So it's definitely quite a bit different as far as um, overall physical toll that it takes on their body, you know, in other high impact sports compared to dock diving.
1: So would it be a good plan for someone who maybe, to your point, if if some of the other sports that are more high impact and, and harder on their bodies are, are better for them to compete in when they're younger, not necessarily not saying that that dock diving is a geriatric game. But my question is, if there's a, right. if there's a dog that competed at, at a sport like flyball when they were younger, and now maybe their joints aren't as good or they're not as quick as they used to be. Is it is it something that maybe they can transition over and think about competing in dock diving, where the dog still gets to compete just in a different sport, but that's less taxing on their body physically?
2: Absolutely, I have seen a lot of flyball people that have started in in conditioning their flyball dogs in dock because it's safe method of conditioning, and they have moved their older dogs over, and, and that's exactly this, the steps that I take. You know, I still compete with my younger dogs in slingshot, um, in flyball, very actively. Um, but my, my older, my older three dogs, um, they're retired to, to dock diving only. Um, Schizo has been retired from dock, I'm sorry, from flyball for probably about two seasons now. Um, I guess that it kind of depends, you know, on, on each dog, um, how they are on their bodies and what kind of. Different body styles are going to be different with that. I think that the Whippets, um, they tend to physically age at a much later physical age than some of the bigger breeds do. Um, Skitzel's a 55-pound dog, so his body aged quite a bit quicker than the other Whippet, um, other senior Whippet that I have that's the same age, uh, Slingshot's mom, uh, OMG. Uh, she hasn't physically aged hardly at all. And would still be able to to play flyball at her age, but whereas with schizo, you know, I, I retired him a couple of years ago in flyball.
1: Interested in hearing more about Schizo, more about OMG, more about slingshot and all your dogs. We're going to take a, a, a real quick uh, pause here once again to, to thank our sponsor Yukonuba. Sporting dogs give us everything we ask for, and then some their nutrition should do the same for them. You can find out more information about Yukonuba at or follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Eukanuba Sporting Dog. We are talking to Rachel Brinkman, who competes in a variety of dog sports, and we were just talking a moment ago about a couple of your dogs, and I, I kind of want to just give you the open floor here to take a brief moment to tell us about each, you know, their breed, their age, what events they participate in, and and how you've had to adjust your training style not only based on on their the events they compete in and their age or their breeds, but even just their personalities, knowing you know, okay, this dog handles this kind of training a little bit better, this dog handles this one a little bit better. so uh, Rachel, the floor is yours just to give us kind of the rundown of all the dogs you compete with in the various different sports.
2: Well, I own seven dogs. Um, I have a couple of other dogs that I periodically compete with uh, that belong to my mom. She doesn't do all the same sports that I do. She just does fly ball. So, um, but the dogs that actually belong to me, um, I have seven, um, I have three dogs that are, um, uh, my elderly dogs, because for some reason we thought it was a good idea to get three puppies in a year. <laughs> so I now have three old dogs, uh, that will, uh, my, uh, my two Two oldest are actually litter mates, Schizo and Sequel. Um, they are Dutch Shepherd, Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Uh, Schizo is my dog and Sequel is my husband's. And then we have um, OMG is our other old older dog, our more senior dog. Um, she turned 10 in, um, in April, and that is Slingshot's mom. Um, now, Schizo and Sequel... Um, and OMG were all just flyball dogs when we got started, but all of those dogs we acquired when we lived in Vegas. So they all got started from a young age at dock diving just as a, as a fun thing, which OMG, who is Slingshot's mom, very first time that we took her to a pool at four months old, she's jumping off the dock with the big dogs, which <laughs> is not always a thing for all dogs, especially not Whippets, but she was super confident right off the bat. Um, OMG uh jumps now for my junior handler uh my oldest daughter who's 7 and uh, and then she my oldest my daughter also runs her in flyball she's she's still playing flyball she's still very capable um schizo and sequel have been retired from flyball for a couple of years they're dutch staffy so they're uh they have much less body control than the whippets do so uh they they were much more likely to hurt themselves because they don't really have a whole lot of regard for self-preservation. So they've been retired from fly ball for for a bit now, just as they started to age to make sure that, you know, they were still sound. Um, Both of them still dock dive, although they've had a bit of an abrupt uh, early retirement this year with the unfortunate situation that we're in the middle of a pandemic. And dog sports have really, really, really cut down you know, work's cut down everything so we made the decision to just retire all of our old dogs this year. But um you know, luckily for us we have a duck diving pool in our backyard. <laughs> so we're able to uh still let them swim and play and have fun. They don't know they're retired. Um now my I have one middle-aged dog that's Slingshot. Uh Slingshot turned 5 in January. He's a whippet. Uh Slingshot is uh, offspring of OMG. And, uh, Slingshot is who I have set all of my world records with. Um, we set 12 world records in 2018. Um, we have had lots of personal bests and in, in things since then. Um, but, uh, distance what is our, is definitely our strong point. Um, I also, I raced Slingshot in Whippet Racing when he was younger, which, um, we have, we retired from racing. I, I, I let my dogs whip it race as very young dogs. Um, but then once they hit a certain point in their athletic capabilities, I don't race them anymore just because I worry about injury. Um, so slingshot raced in, um, in his very first whip nationals, he had done a couple of, um, a couple of meets where he learned to play the game. And then we raced in our very first Whippet Nationals in, I think it was 2017. And he finished in the top 10 of oval racing, which is, you know, the oval track, which was um, a very amazing accomplishment for a young, inexperienced dog to be able to finish in the top 10. Um, that's the last time he raced. Um, I have raced since then with my younger. Whippet, Vortex, which I'll talk about next. Um, the other three dogs that we have are, are a little bit more juvenile. One of them's a puppy and two of them are, are younger um, adolescent dogs. Uh, Vortex just turned two in, um, in April. Vortex is also a Whippet. He actually looks almost exactly the same as Slingshot. If you don't know them well, you definitely won't be able to tell the difference because we get them mixed up all the time. Uh, same exact coloring. Um, Vortex is um, a close breeding to Slingshot, but uh, not exactly. Uh, they have the same mom. So OMG is also Vortex's mom. But the the sire is um, an offspring of Slingshot's father. So Slingshot and, and Journey is the sire of Vortex. Slingshot and Journey are brothers. Um, anyhow, Vortex... He, uh, like I said, he just turned two. Um, this was supposed to be his rookie year. We put in a bunch of foundation pieces last summer and just kind of letting him play and get comfortable and gain confidence. Um, we went out for our first competition this year. And uh, we've only had, we've had a couple of of one-day doc events that are local. And then we, um, we've we done one weekend event. And in the couple of events that we've done, um, Vortex has already ranked in, um, and the AKC, um, rankings, he's already in the top 10. He's hit the 30 foot mark multiple times. Um, he's really, really come out, um, this year. So that's pretty incredible. Uh, vortex also learned fly ball. He debuted last summer in fly ball, which, um, he same thing running same speeds, as slingshot, you know, three and a half seconds, which is, very incredible times for any dog, especially a young dog. Uh our fly ball is on hold this year. We uh I don't know that we'll be playing fly ball at all this year, unfortunately. Um luckily for us, Doc and social distancing are much easier outside, you know, one at a time. Um then I have another dog who's a year and a half. His name is Stoic. Um Stoic is a lurcher, so he's another dog from one of our breedings. Um his sire is slingshot so he's half whippet uh, and then the other half is malinois and um we did this breeding for i uh, for a lot of reasons ultimately for an overall um sport dog in general which he has proved to be just that he's only a year and a year and a half so i've taken training a little slower with him just you know he was a a young i was a puppy last summer and so it was just letting him learn the ropes and um this was supposed to be our big training year for him and of course you know pandemic um so uh stoic actually did get to debut this year though and and he's you know jumping in the mid-20s already from about half dock so i i'm pretty i'm pretty happy with him with the lack of training that we've formal training that we've been able to do um and we actually repeated that breeding um because we liked so much of what we saw out of the first breeding, um, before they were even, you know, out there competing yet. Um, and we had so many people that were interested. So we repeated that breeding, um, a year apart. So we also have, um, about an, I think she's about nine months old. Um, another, uh, repeat breeding of the slingshot Malinois breeding. Um, and she's already training in, in fly ball and dock diving and disc and disc just for fun. Cause she's, really good at it (laughs) um but yeah so that's all of our dogs
1: slingshot obviously as you mentioned uh 12 world records uh two years ago or a year ago um of the younger dogs is there one that you kind of see that that same shine in their eye that go wow this dog could be just equally as impressive as as slingshot
2: so i think that uh vortex is absolutely going to give slingshot a run for his money um slingshot his his performance when he's in drive he's a very explosive dog he's very you know high energy you can see it coming out of his ears you know he can't hold still um whereas vortex he's already performing better at his age than what slingshot was at the same age and vortex is very calm and collected he's so methodical which is something that slingshot's not so i've had to do a lot of um, of shaping Slingshot. I, I I can't expect him ever to think for himself, I have to set him up for exactly what I want out of him, um, where Vortex is much more uh, thoughtful with his execution on in sports. So because of that, it should be easier for us to get more out of Vortex, given whatever his capability is. Um, I absolutely have no doubts that the Vortex is going to give Slingshot a run for his money. I mean, two weeks ago he jumped thirty-two feet. The dog's only two years old. Wow,
1: that's that's impressive, right there for sure. Looking forward to seeing what <laughs> what Vortex can do when he's a couple years yes. older, because that's a that's an impressive distance for just a two-year-old for sure.
2: Yes. We mentioned earlier
1: <laughs> you are a, a professional dog trainer in addition to the seven dogs that you own that you train. You obviously train dogs for, for other people as well. Uh, you have a yes. facility, Einstein Dog Training. Uh, tell us where that's located, what types of training you offer there, and uh, you know how many dogs you're training at a time, and just kind of an overview of your, of your dog training business.
2: So our business is called Einstein Dog Training. Um, we are located in mid-Michigan. We have a facility that's located in Howell. But we do a lot of in home and in public training throughout um, a few different counties that we service in our area. Um, We do primarily behavior modification. So we definitely, you know, we definitely deal with nice dogs. We like nice dogs, but um, most of what we deal with are aggressive dogs, fearful dogs, um, separation anxiety, just a lot of behavior problems that otherwise um, a lot of trainers don't deal with, whether it's whether it's just because um, it's not their thing or um, they don't have the experience to handle um, certain, you know, cases. Um, I don't, I'm not sure why a lot of people in our area don't deal with behavior modification, but there isn't a whole lot of them. So um, we get a lot of the bad cases because nobody else will deal with them. And, and we do get people that travel sometimes hours to come to our facility because of the success that we have dealing with some of these, um, in other in other terms, unfixable dogs. Um, we get people that come to us all the time because they've already been to two or three trainers. You know, the vet said put them to sleep. The trainer said put them to sleep. They just can't bear with that kind of a decision, and so they come to us, and we're able to set them up with a management system to be able to keep the dog in their home safely, um with you know um a management system put in place of how to handle a dog like that.
1: How rewarding is that for you though to know that you can help a dog that no one else could help and ultimately help their owner be able to save their pet.
2: That's exactly why I do it. <laughs> when I worked in emergency, I could not I could not there's no way that you could have ever talked me into working at a day practice because it was just too routine. There wasn't enough excitement, there wasn't enough fulfillment because it was just seemingly the same thing over and over, whereas working in emergency, we deal with the worst of the worst, this, you know, the life or death, the it's us or the dog isn't going to make it kind of situations. And the the rush and the feeling of accomplishment when you send a dog home is what I, what I craved, what I lived for. Um, the major difference between dog training and working in vet medicine was that hardly ever did the dogs in vet medicine like us. <laughs> And even though oftentimes the dogs coming in for behavior modification don't start off liking us, they almost always end up loving us by the time that the training process is complete. And so it's just, it's much more fulfilling in that way because um, we do get to, we do save dogs and we do keep dogs and families together. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's definitely why we do this
1: speaking of families you are also a mother uh, you mentioned your your child a few moments ago uh, as a mother you uh, obviously try to have that that work-life balance uh, you're training dogs to compete in dog sports you're training dogs professionally and then you you still have to put your mom hat on so how do you balance that that work life you know making sure that that you're there for your family but also there for your business
2: a couple of different ways that we do this um, it helps that my kids are young so we're not into travel sports and you know like major commitments like that yet yet um i'm sure that kind of uh (laughs) role has yet to come and that's kind of why we were like we're gonna get all of our stuff out of the way right now in case our kids get into something that prevents us from doing as much traveling as we would like for a period of time um but our kids aren't into the into that yet our our kids um the youngest just turned four um a couple weeks ago our middle turns six this weekend And then our oldest is seven and a half. She'll be eight in December. So they're still all pretty young. Um, we, my, both my husband and I do the training and the competing and run the business. And so it's not like I'm stuck with all of the dog responsibilities because he goes off to a nine to five, right? So the, the both, the both of us are responsible for, for everything. So it, it definitely helps a lot to have us both around all the time because one of us can be paying attention to the kids while the other is doing something with the dogs or, you know, whatever need arises. But we also involve our kids in just about everything we do, and it, and it makes it enjoyable for them because they get to travel with us. They get to see all the things, you know, when we take these long trips and go competing in different parts of the country you know, we add in a few days at the beginning or the end of each trip to go and sightsee and do, um, you know, last summer we went out to Colorado and we, you know, took a bike ride in the mountains and, you know, we just try to do different things with them along the way. So it makes it fun for them as well. And because they get up, they get to get up and compete. And, um, my oldest is a lot like me. She's, uh, outgoing and confident and she likes to talk. So. She likes doing the little interviews and she likes, you know, giving people her advice and same at work. When we go into the into our training facility, our kids go with us. Um, they take their bikes and their hoverboards and whatever, and they provide distractions for the dogs. Um, they work with the dogs, with certain dogs that get to a certain point in training or dogs that are working through fear of children. Um, my kids love to be able to help puppies or young dogs or fearful dogs overcome um objections to engagement with children because they know how to appropriately interact with a dog um so it's not like most kids that run and scream and they're jumpy and they're grabby and um they're all accustomed to being around dogs all the time so they just we just all do it together it's it's just um I'll, you know it's all of us i think it would be a lot harder if it was just me trying to do all these things, but because the whole family does it, it, it it just, it's just a way of life.
1: That was just about, that's a perfect way to, to end, to end that answer. I was just about to say, it sounds like a way of life because you said, you know, you grew up around it and now your kids are growing up around it. And it's just kind of a, a family affair. Rachel, before we let you go, uh, we always kind of wrap up our, uh, podcast here with, uh, five questions. So they're, they're rapid fire. Ask the question real quick. And then just kind of one word answers. Uh, So if you're ready, number one, what's something about you that most people don't know?
2: That I'm shy in situations where I don't know that I have an answer for a question.
1: (laughs) You've done a great job here today, so no one would know that in this situation. You've answered every question I've had. When I say dog sports, who's the first dog that comes to mind and why?
2: Uh. Uh, maybe my very first favorite flyball dog that we trained when I was a kid and his name was Kane. He was a big pit bull that we had from my parents got before I was born and we had it until I was about 14 before he passed.
1: And if that big pit bull was a human athlete, what sport would he play and why?
2: <laughs> oh, he'd probably be foot. He'd probably play football, but he'd also be one of those football players that like had his own charity because he was super soft, <laughs> sweet dog.
1: If you had to describe yourself in one word, what would it be?
2: Um, busy.
1: And if you had to try a profession other than your own, what would you like to attempt?
2: How can you possibly do something else if you absolutely love what you're doing? <laughs> I think about that all the time, If there was one thing that I could do, what would it be? Well, I'm doing it. I train dogs for a living. I get to play with my own dogs and travel and compete. Like, I don't know. I guess the only other thing that I'd want to do is, uh, if I could just do like a, I don't know what you call it, like a stunt dog production type, uh, only traveling and training with my own dogs and still live the way that I want, that would be awesome to just train my own dogs and, uh. And, and show and compete. And that'd be awesome.
1: Well, it sounds I'd like you take the
2: backseat a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sounds like you're definitely living the dream. You can hear anyone in your voice can hear how excited you are to, to live the life you live and, and, and have the job that you have. And it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here on the podcast today, Rachel Brinkman. Thank you very much. And we look forward to seeing you uh, out at some future uh, SRS competitions.
2: Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity.